I am here today not because I want to be. I am terrified. I will not be intimidated into withdrawing from this process. We have someone who made a credible claim. The chairman even thanked her for her bravery. Well, where is the bravery in this room? This country is being ripped apart here, and, and we've got to make sure that we do due diligence. The dramatic debate over Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh's fate will extend into next week. This comes following passionate testimony from Kavanaugh and a woman who's accused him of a sexual assault while the two were in high school. Good morning, I'm Tom Hauser. That vote on Kavanaugh's confirmation is now on hold while the FBI conducts an investigation into those allegations of sexual assault and misconduct. It's something Senate Democrats have been pushing for since the allegations first came to light. Friday's Senate hearing started with Republicans and Democrats explaining why they would vote yes or no on Judge Kavanaugh. Democrats like Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar demanded a more thorough investigation of Kavanaugh, while Republicans like Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina mocked wild allegations being made against Kavanaugh. He has been at the highest level of public service under tremendous scrutiny, six FBI investigations, and we missed the sophomore junior gang rapist. We didn't miss it. It's much garbage. We have someone who made a credible claim. The chairman even thanked her for her bravery. Well, where is the bravery in this room? This rush, when in fact we could have a finite period of time to interview a finite <coughs> period of witnesses. Someone who she alleges was in the very room where it happened. Senator Klobuchar and other Democrats finally got their wish with the help of a Republican senator. Jeff Flake of Arizona, the deciding vote on the committee, said he would only vote for Judge Kavanaugh on the Senate floor if the FBI conducts a one-week investigation. This country is being ripped apart here, and, and we've got to make sure that we do due diligence. I think this committee has done a good job, but I do think that we can uh, have a short pause and, and make sure that the FBI can investigate. After the hearing, Senator Klobuchar told Five Eyewitness News she welcomes the investigation. However, she plans to vote against Judge Kavanaugh regardless of what the investigation finds, mostly because of concerns she has with his views on expanded presidential power and other issues. It now looks like the earliest a final vote will happen is Friday. A second investigation could soon be launched into the domestic abuse allegations against Minnesota Attorney General candidate Keith Ellison. The outgoing congressman requested the investigation himself. In a statement, he says in part, quote, I am taking this step now because I am innocent and eager to see this entire matter resolved. These allegations have lingered in the public sphere and remain unsubstantiated. They were brought up by a former girlfriend right before the primary. Ellison's Republican opponent, Doug Wardlow, says he welcomes the investigation but adds it likely won't be complete before Ellison leaves office. Another investigation is being conducted by the DFL party. President Trump will visit Minnesota this Thursday. The state Republican Party says the president will hold a rally at the Mayo Civic Center in Rochester. This will be the president's second visit to Minnesota this year. He visited Duluth back in June. Rochester is in Minnesota's first congressional district, which is up for grabs this election season. 
One of the tightest races in the November election is for Minnesota's 8th Congressional District. A candidate forum was held in Duluth on Wednesday. Democrat Joe Radinovich and Republican Pete Stauber debated several topics, including copper-nickel mining on the Iron Range. Any project that can be done safely should be allowed to proceed, but we need to make sure that we're holding those standards in a high regard. We can do it safely, and we can keep our uh, water and air clean. We have regulatory agencies uh, that are following this process, and we can do it. It's going to bring good-paying jobs to the Iron Range, and it's going to be an economic boom. The candidates also talked about infrastructure, taxes, and health care. We have results from our exclusive new KSTP Survey USA poll for Minnesota's second district congressional race. Jason Lewis and Angie Craig are going head-to-head -head for the second time. Last election, Lewis won by less than two percentage points. And it's clear President Trump may play a big role in the race this year. Making millions in ill-gotten gains, that's Angie Craig. There's a TV attack ad war being fought in the 2nd District. He voted to allow out-of-staters to carry loaded, concealed guns, even people with zero training. And millions have already been spent, millions more to come. The result? So far, Democratic challenger Angie Craig has a slight three-point lead over incumbent Republican Jason Lewis. Craig is at 48 percent, Lewis at 45 percent. That's well within the poll's 4.5 percent margin of error. Another 7 percent say they're undecided. The second congressional district with Angie Craig and Jason Lewis is a toss-up. We knew this race was going to be close. Larry Jacobs of the University of Minnesota Humphrey Institute says Lewis faces a big deficit with female voters that largely accounts for Craig's slim lead. According to our poll, Craig leads 52% to 40% among women with 7% undecided. Among men, Lewis has a smaller lead of 6 points, 49 to 43%. Again, 7% undecided. This is going to be a real challenge for Jason Lewis. He's got to cut down on some of that advantage that Angie Craig has among women or to expand his support among men. That won't be easy for one big reason, Republican President Donald Trump. According to our poll, 60% of likely female voters in the 2nd District disapprove of his job performance. Overall, Lewis is doing better than the president with a 42% approval rating versus 40% disapproval. But the president has just a 41% job approval rating with 54% disapproving. The question is going to be, can Jason Lewis separate himself from a very unpopular Donald Trump? If he can, he's going to have a stronger shot at holding this seat. Our poll shows that health care is the most important issue to 569 likely voters in the 2nd District. 36% cited health care, followed by jobs in the economy, terrorism and national security, and taxes. Four congressional races in Minnesota have now surpassed $1 million in outside spending. The third district race between Eric Paulson and Dean Phillips is still the front runner with nearly $4.5 million. Not far behind the eighth district race, totaling nearly $2.9 million. Minnesota's first congressional district race has brought in about $2.1 million in outside spending, and the second district race totals about $1.8 million. The two candidates for governor are sitting on just about the same amount of money for their campaigns. Both Republican Jeff Johnson and DFL or Tim Walls have about $1 million cash on hand. 
Each candidate reported raising about $1.3 million since July 25th. Both Johnson and Walls laid out how they would work to tackle the opioid crisis in Minnesota. They addressed the issue and potential solutions during a forum Friday in Woodbury. I always argue if you're talking about public safety, treatment for addictions has to be a crucial part of that because we can punish people all we want, but if we don't treat them for an addiction, nothing is going to change. We obviously have to work on that pain management plan on the front, which I think we're making progress in. Then we also have to deal with the immediacy of the crisis as it stands right now, how to make sure we prevent more people falling into this. Last year, there were 401 opioid-related deaths in Minnesota. Thousands more survived overdoses. Up next, we'll be joined by the chairs for Minnesota's Republican and DFL parties. We'll talk to Jennifer Carnahan and Ken Martin about the Kavanaugh hearings, the allegations against Keith Ellison, and what will be a busy next month heading into the 2018 midterm elections. And welcome back. We're glad you can join us on this Sunday morning. We are joined today by the two chairs for Minnesota's major political parties, Ken Martin from the Minnesota DFL and Jennifer Carnahan from the Republican Party of Minnesota. Thank you both for taking time out of what I know have to be incredibly busy schedules uh, to talk to us today. I know uh, this week was uh, incredible in Washington, D.C., the uh, Brett Kavanaugh uh, hearings and the issue with uh, Dr. Ford making her allegations. Uh, Ken, Democrats demanded an FBI investigation with the help of a Republican senator. They're getting it. What do you expect to come of that? Well, we certainly hope that the investigation is thorough and exhaustive. I'm not sure they can do that in a week's time, but uh, we are encouraged that an investigation was called for. I really want to thank Senator Klobuchar for lifting up the voices of millions of Americans, of Americans who had serious questions and still have serious doubts about uh, whether or not uh, Judge Kavanaugh is fit to be on the, uh, the highest court in the land. And, Jennifer, this uh, certainly has divided uh, the country. Uh, you know, it seems like half the country believes Dr. Blasey Ford and half believe uh, Brett Kavanaugh, and it's generally along party lines. You know, it, it's disappointing because I watched most of the hearings earlier this week to see the strong divide in it because it wasn't really about the issue and the allegations that uh, Blasey Ford brought forth. It really seemed to be a lot of partisan bickering, and that was certainly disruptive as we all watched it. Um, you know, Judge Kavanaugh has been through an FBI investigation six times, so it's certainly great to have the additional due process and have him go through it a seventh time. But despite what comes of that additional FBI investigation, I think a lot of senators have already spoken on where they're going to vote. And it is going to be along party lines, but he is a great judge and deserves to be a Supreme Court justice, and I think we'll get there. Now, Ken, the Democrats have been put in a tough spot here because Keith Ellison faces allegations himself that are much more recent. And there have been a lot of Democrats that Republicans have said have employed a double standard, uh, giving Keith Ellison somewhat of a pass while criticizing Brett Kavanaugh, despite the fact none of the claims against him have been substantiated either. Uh, how do you deal with that? Well, look, you know, I think our party clearly has uh, set the right uh, sort of tone on how you deal with this. We take uh, these types of allegations very seriously. Our party was under no obligation to actually investigate this, either legally or politically. But right away, we decided to investigate the serious allegations that were brought forward against uh, Keith Ellison. And we expect that uh, investigation to be complete soon. In addition, uh, last week, Keith Ellison stood up and called for an outside investigation by the House 
House Ethics Committee. At this point, uh, Judge Kavanaugh and Republicans continued to drag their feet, and only when they were forced into it did a, an actual FBI investigation come to be. So, you know, the reality is our party takes these allegations very seriously, and we're going to get to the bottom of them. The Republican Party was forced into this investigation. I hope the investigation uh, is thorough and exhaustive, but I, I'm, I'm not sure it will be. Will your investigation of Ellison be thorough and exhaustive, and how exhaustive can it be without having subpoena powers and those types of things? Well, look, I mean, we were very clear that we were going to have an outside investigator that had no professional relationship uh, with the DFL party, who is an expert matter in these types of issues, take on this investigation. And she's been very thorough, very exhaustive, and I hope that the report uh, is complete soon so we can get it out to the public. Have Democrats done enough uh, to look into Keith Ellison, do you think, Jennifer? You know, I think the move by Congressman Ellison to call for an investigation by the House is more of a smoke and mirrors because the, that investigation likely will not be complete before the investigation, and he's not going to be in the House moving forward anyway. But that aside, I don't really think it matters because I think the fact that Democrats have largely ignored the allegations against Congressman Ellison has turned into a gift itself uh, in this election cycle and specifically for Republicans. I've talked to Democrats across the state of Minnesota. I have friends on the other side of the aisle, and they are concerned about Congressman Ellison serving as attorney general. And I think we will see that at the polls on November 6th. All right. Uh, President Trump is going to be in Minnesota later this week down in Rochester. Democrats, I, I suppose in some ways, are licking their chops to have President Trump come here because you look at his disapproval ratings in Minnesota and you see that as an opportunity to remind voters that he's unpopular? Well, absolutely, and especially down in southern Minnesota, where the number one industry down there is agriculture. And people like my father-in-law and uh, plenty of farmers throughout uh, this state of Minnesota are hurting given uh, the fact uh, that Trump pushed through these tariffs. You know, when you talk about soybean farmers and other uh, um, uh, industries associated with agriculture in this state, uh, we're, we're nearing a, a point where it's very similar to the 1980s farm crisis. And there's a lot of farmers who are blaming uh, Donald Donald Trump's policies, and uh, they have a right to do so. And so I, I think it's ironic that he's coming in the first district. I think it's going to backfire. I think it's going to remind people just how unpopular he is in the state. Well, but Jennifer, there's little doubt that when President Trump arrives somewhere, he does get the Republican base, the base that got him elected in 2016, he gets them all fired up. Yeah, and I would say just the opposite as what Ken said. I mean, anytime the president comes into the state, you see an incredible amount of energy and outpouring of support. President Trump was plus 15 points in southern Minnesota Congressional District 1 in the 2016 election cycle, and he still maintains very strong support all across Minnesota. So anytime he comes into the state or the vice president or anyone from uh, the White House or that administration, it is a force multiplier and an additive for all of our candidates on the ballot. Let's quickly go through the congressional races. First district race, a lot of outside interest. Uh, two years ago, only $1,500. $1,500 in outside money was spent there. This year, it's already $2.1 million. Uh, both sides think they can win that open seat. Well, absolutely. I mean, you have two open seats in CD1 and CD8 uh, that President Trump won that are represented by Democrats. So both sides feel like they have a good opportunity to win those seats. And I do think uh, you'll see a continued increase in spending in both 8 and CD1. I, I imagine you think Republicans have a good chance to win both 1 and 8 now oh, that they are open. Absolutely. As, as Chairman Martin said, President Trump won both of those districts by double district margin or double digit margins. And our Republican candidates in 2016 came within half of a percent. They're both open seats. And what speaks so well to our candidates running in those seats is that we have weak Democratic opponents running for them that do not fit either of their districts. Let's talk about uh, two and three. You saw the poll results in two. Angie Craig with a very slight lead within the margin of error. 
And then third district, uh, Phillips and Paulson, tens of millions of dollars might be spent there. Well, we have fantastic candidates running in CD2 and CD3. Uh, Eric Paulson is, is uh, fighting for his life right now. It's likely that he's going to lose that race. I think Dean Phillips is running a fantastic campaign. And in CD2, it's very competitive. It's very close. But I think Angie Craig will win this seat this time without the presence of a third-party candidate. We've got great candidates running, and we're seeing a, a real surge in the suburbs and, frankly, throughout the state for Democrats right now. Your view of those races? Uh, on the converse, Congressional District 2 has been a Republican district for a long time. Congressman Lewis has done a phenomenal job. He's a great leader, and I am confident he will get reelected on November 6th. And in District 3, Congressman Paulson, he is also a great leader. He's been in for 10 years. He's the chair of the Ways and Means. He's done great things for our state and country. I was out door knocking in Rod Rogers, Minnesota for him yesterday, and what I heard at the doors uh, specifically for that race was very positive. And real quickly, the governor's race. Uh, Jeff Johnson, Tim Walls, a couple of polls have come out showing Walls with a single-digit lead. Are you comfortable uh, with the position he is in with a month to go? Well, I think he's running a fantastic campaign. His message is definitely resonating with voters. Anecdotally, on the phones, on the doors, we're seeing a, a great response to Tim Walls and Peggy Flanagan. I expect them to be elected, but with 37 days left, we've got to work hard for that, and I think we will win that governor's race on November 6th. Can Jeff Johnson come from behind? Jeff Johnson has a message that Minnesota needs and wants, and I think we're going to see transformative change in our state on November 6th. We are going to see a shift, and Minnesota, as we know it, will turn into a red state. Ten seconds each on the U.S. Senate race, race between Karen Housley and Tina Smith. You feeling comfortable about Tina Smith's position? Well, uh, people uh, like Tina Smith. They trust her. Uh, and I think she will be elected on November 6th. She's running a good campaign. you got two candidates who Minnesotans are still uh, getting to know, but I think Tina Smith at the end of the day will prevail. Final word. Karen is an optimistic and vibrant candidate. She's doing a great job getting across Minnesota. She's resonating with voters, and I think we'll see them speak on November 6th. All right, we have a sprint to the finish coming up here uh, first week in November. Thank you both for, uh, again, taking time from your busy schedules to be here. Ken Martin, Jennifer Carnahan. Up next, Annette Meeks and Mike Erlinson will be here to provide political analysis. We'll be back in two minutes. And welcome back. Time now for political analysis. We have Annette Meeks from the Freedom Foundation and Mike Erlinson, former DFL State Party chair here, uh, to talk a little bit about uh, a wild week in Washington, uh, D.C. You spent a lot of time uh, working in Congress, Annette. Uh, have you seen anything quite like this? You might have been there around the Anita Hill time, uh, some of those, the Bill Clinton impeachment issues. Uh, how does this compare? All of the above, and I never thought Congress could go more off the rails, but it did this week. And just when you think they can't go any lower, they do. They find a way to do it. I thought this was just a disgrace, both on both the process and, and on the Senate, and turning the uh, Supreme Court into a very hyper-political organization that it's never meant to be. You were in Washington, I understand, this week while a lot of this was going on. What was it like to be there and witnessing all this? Well, the emotions are clearly very, very raw on both sides, right? Um, and so to watch the protesters um, and to watch those that were there to defend the nominee uh, was a very interesting thing to see. I was actually in a coffee shop uh, one morning uh, watching two uh, groups interact with each other, and it was not pretty, let's put it that way. I mean, it wasn't like a fisticuffs kind of things, but it was shouting at each other, and it just seemed very unnecessary. And so, you know, I, in the 20 years I spent in Washington, D.C., I would fully agree with Annette. We continue to dumb down uh, the system uh, that's called the United States Congress, uh, and now we are taking an institution, the Supreme Court, and making it a partisan battle at every turn as well. Very and, disappointing. And there is blame on, on both sides, uh, but Republicans repeatedly made the point that this letter, these allegations, 
were out there in July. They didn't bring it up until the middle of September at this 11th hour, almost like the nuclear option to try to block Kavanaugh. Do you see it that way? I see uh, Senator Feinstein has a lot of answering to do. What she did, I thought, was unconscionable. Someone from her staff clearly recommended a lawyer to this woman. Someone from her staff clearly leaked this woman's name to the Washington Post. I think that's despicable. Um, she clearly wanted to have her day in court. Uh, we again heard lies from the committee about they offered to come out to California and take her testimony. It was never communicated uh, to Ms. Ford or Dr. Ford, and I think that's really unfortunate. Do Democrats deserve some blame for they, they could have had these investigations happening a month ago? Well, I think they definitely should have. I mean, uh, so whether it's blame or not blame, these are, again, very difficult things for people to try to figure out what to do and what's the right thing to do. Uh, but this FBI investigation could backfire on Democrats, right? The investigation might be more about why did Feinstein not release this, this information instead about finding out whether or not the nominee has, in fact, uh, committed a crime of some kind in his past. Now, Amy Klobuchar was front and center in this. Uh, she conducted herself pretty well, I, I thought, in terms of you know, what her role was in this. I think she entered the 2020 presidential stakes uh, by her performance in the Senate, and I thought it was not the typical Amy that we're used to here in Minnesota. You agree? I do. Senator Klobuchar did a great job, not just for Minnesotans, I think for this country. She showed that this guy's got a very thin skin and that we're, people are going to be voting to put somebody on the Supreme Court that might have a, a thin skin, uh, maybe even has a drinking problem. It was a very odd exchange, uh, but I think an important one to have taken place. Just 30 seconds left. Uh, Keith Ellison, there are a lot of people saying there's a real double standard among Democrats that Keith Ellison is not being held to account as much as Brett Kavanaugh. Your thoughts? Absolutely, and I call on Senators Klobuchar and Smith if they really believe what what they said this week, um, they should stop campaigning with Keith Ellison until we know the true facts about that, demand a full and transparent investigation. Final word. You know, I don't know if anybody is campaigning with Congressman Ellison. That's an interesting situation, right? And certainly Democrats have been a little bit quiet. They've let the investigations sort of go forward. They've let the congressman answer uh, these accusations himself. Um, and so, it, you know, it's very disappointing that we're living through this here in Minnesota and in Washington, D.C., um, just as we did when President Trump ran the first time. And, and the polls have shown that that race is razor close, so we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Mike and Annette, thanks for being here. A big honor for Prince from the University of Minnesota. We'll explain when we come back. Minnesota's own Prince was honored this week, more than two years after his death. The University of Minnesota presented Prince's sister, Tika Nelson, with an honorary Doctor of Humane Letters degree in her brother's name. Before his death, the U was preparing to give Prince an honorary degree to recognize his contributions to the state and to the city of Minneapolis. That is all the time we have for now. We hope to see you back here again next week for another edition of At Issue.